everybody, and welcome to, no, I, you know, Randy, I'm going to say the wrong name of my wrong show. That's, we're going to have to deal with my brain today. Hi, Randy Coleman. Vicki, how are you? Oh, Randy, I, I'm, I'm all better now, but uh, it's been a time. But this is Game Changers with, uh, with me, Vicki Abelson, and today's guest, Randy Coleman, who, uh, and this is, this is take two, as it were. And uh, thanks so much for coming back, Randy. With my pleasure. My ple thank you for having me back. <laughs> so have you, so has this been like a, an odd, I don't know if we even got into the COVID stuff and if we did, it doesn't matter, but has this been odd for you, this, this life we're living now? Odd? <laughs> it's been odd in God. Um, God. Odd God. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely been presenting its challenges for sure. And I also will say slash opportunities as well. Um, I think you and I, we had this conversation on the phone that first time of, I've had, I have this kind of perspective that um, 2020, it's appropriate to me that uh, COVID is happening in the year of 2020. And maybe it's just the opportunity to, for us to like be able to, um, you know, uh, have, have that perfect sight, you know, um, to see things in a more um, clear perspective of what's important in our lives, you know? So has there been off the top of your head, I, I just noticed that my light is now over there, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. And has there, is there something off the top of your head that comes to mind, like a lesson, like a life lesson you've learned during this time? I know that's putting you on the spot because I'm sure there's a lot of things and you know, but yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, it really comes down to, I mean, so much of it is you look, look, I mean, for me, it's like this whole year, not just the pandemic. I mean, it's for me, it started with like, I mean, the forest fires in Australia and then Kobe and then like losing Kobe and, and his daughter and all this and the others in that, in that uh, helicopter accident, you know, like that just was like, Oh my God, it feels like, that just like turned the whole the whole world upside down, and then we and then just like ushered us into this this global pandemic, um, you know this this situation. Which a friend of mine said, you know, like this is this is like one of those times in in the world's history where everybody's got the same thing on their minds, you know. Um, so it's this kind of like this thing that's creating a lot of discomfort and fear, but it's also bringing us together too at the same time. Um, so I think for me, it's been like, I mean, live today, be here now, be here now. I love that. And I, I also love what you said about bringing us together. It definitely has. I don't know. If, I, I don't know if we got to this last time, but there's these group of people called, we call ourselves the COVID crazies. And they kind of all just found me in, in the pandemic. I started, you know, I did this weekly show Game Changers for years, but beginning of middle of March, I started doing shooting the shit with Vicky on a daily basis, mostly to be honest, for me, to mm. keep me connected with everybody because I'm alone. And I was like, I'm going to go and say, you know, and I thought it was going to be two weeks, maybe a <laughs> month, you know, no, no idea that it was going to be. It's good. It's good that I didn't have that, that knowledge for sure. But mm -hmm. what happened is all these people just started to, we started to find each other. And so we get together literally every Monday through Friday, we are together at five o'clock every single day. And we know we can count on the fact that for an hour, two hours every day, we are gonna connect and have this community. And 
it's really saved my life. So have you, have you found new people, new situations in COVID? Well, it's interesting that you said that because um, I, let's see, uh, I started a book club um, and um, amazing book called Mary Magdalene Revealed uh, by uh, the author. Huh? I was just going to ask you what you guys are reading. Yeah, it was. Um, so I've always been drawn like I grew up in like, you know, Christian shirts and stuff. And I've always you know, um, kind of seen things from the peripheral in my experience and um, been drawn to Mary Magdalene for so long. Um, I just feel like she gets mentioned in these like key spots in, in the Bible, but she's hardly ever mentioned. And I've always felt this intuitive, like draw to her. And um, so I came across a friend of mine, um, a girlfriend of mine, suggested uh, this book called uh, Mary Magdalene Revealed. It's called um, um, the, the First Feminist Gospel, the Christianity that we haven't tried yet. And so I just gathered a bunch of people, um, some people who've had some negative experiences in their Christian backgrounds and, you know, and, and it was just amazing to have this conversation around bringing sort of a, a feminine perspective, a divine mother perspective to um, you know, Jesus's story and, uh, and, 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 and her story, really her story and how, how they're so intertwined and how important her role in, in his story is, um, really, really amazing, incredible stuff. So that was one thing, um, that, that we did, um, also after the George Floyd, um, situation, I, um, you know, I took it upon myself because so much, everything was going on so much with, I mean, it's just social media and, you know, and, and uh, I just asked a friend of mine, a black friend of mine, um, my sister, Colleen, I just said, what can I do as a white man? You know, what can I do? And she said, um, you know what you can do is like get together with white people, your white friends and talk about racism. Wow. And so we started this like black lives matter slash white privilege a conversation with me and some other white brothers and sisters and uh, we just and it's been amazing it's been incredible um so we've had two of them and we're gonna have our third one this weekend as well too wow uh, so white that i don't know i don't know if these things were to, huh <laughs> i said white people talking about african-american people that's just it's great well, well talking about our in and where we've seen races where have we been you know, where have we seen it? Where have we been uh, possibly complicit in it? You know, and, and, um, and just to have that uncomfortable conversation, you know? Um, and it's just interesting to, it was just very fascinating and really um, quite profound and revealing to see, uh, to have this conversation and this dialogue with my, with, uh, with my friends. Wow, I, I, think, I think that's something we can do. I, I, I like the fact that you've been so proactive with this because there's, there's pushback in terms of, uh, I remember when people started using the hashtag um, BLM and there was talk on Twitter, you know, like white people don't be using this hashtag. This hashtag is not for you. And there were people that got offended by that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I get it. And it's like, okay, so what can, what can I do? Not we do, what can I do? So yes. I love, I love the fact that this conversation is happening. Mm -hmm. And 
and looking at where have I have I been complicit? Where have I, you know, for me, Randy, one of the biggest frustrations, you know, I have a book club of sorts. A Women Who Write is a, a literary salon that I've had in my home for 11, 12 years now. Mm, and awesome. come and read from their works and live music and all of this stuff. And I look forward to the day that I'll be able to uh, host you in the living room uh, with 50 women and men surrounding you doing love live. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I have tried. Uh, I find that LA to me feels very segregated. I'm from New York and on my floor in my apartment building in New York, there was one of everything. There was an Iranian, there was an Asian, there were, you know, white Jew, there was African American, all represented on one floor in one building. Mm. And I found here in Los Angeles, there are, there are pockets, like, and, and not a lot of segregation, there's not a lot of integration. Mm -hmm. And I think it breeds a mentality of that. Mm. Uh, and uh, so I found that when I had this artistic, outlet, it was challenging for me to integrate even artistically in LA. Mm -hmm. I had to really go out of my way to do it. It just, it, it doesn't, integration doesn't come naturally here, I don't find. So I think it's a conversation that's worth having. And, um, and I think the pandemic has made me more thoughtful about everything. Mm -hmm more caring, more sensitive, more empathetic, more thoughtful. Um, so yes, I love your, I love your, your attitude of the good that's come out of it as well as the challenges. So how has it been personally for you? How has it been challenging? Well, you know, I've, it's just, I like routine, you know, I have my, you know, I had my gigs, you know, I was actually at the beginning of the year, it was like, you know, I remember um, I just moved in. I like you know, I was telling you I live in Hermosa Beach. Uh -huh. I love it down here. I'm a beach boy, at heart. I'm part hillbilly and part beach boy. Um, but I, I, um, I, yeah. What I was looking at my calendar in February, and it's like, whoa, this is going to be a, this is going to be a, a busy year and a lucrative year, you know. And I was excited about it. And I was planning a, you know, a trip to Canada and um, a bunch of gigs that were lining up for the rest of the year. And, um, and as of March, it was just like watching them all just like drop off one by one, yeah. um, you know? So, uh, so it's just, you're not, not playing in front of people. You know, I'm, I'm very much, you know, the, the kind of performer I am, I guess is, you know, uh, I'm an Aries. So I'm just like, I'm very visceral and I'm very, I like, I love to connect and I love to be with people and I love to connect with them um, musically. So um, yeah, it's, it's been a challenging, I also love being at home too, because I got a Scorpio moon. So, and I know you and I, we have that flip thing. You're a Scorpio with an Aries moon. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so you, I love, so you got to relate to this. So I, I also love to be, you know, I love to be quarantined and be creative in my own, in my own space. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, um, and, and, and being able to hug people. I'm a big hugger, you know, and not have to think about it, you know? Yes. So. And how, how has this looked for you? Like, have, do you get out in the, what, what, do you get out in the world? Like I barely leave my hat. I barely left my house and it's uh, awful, but um, do you, do you, what do you do? 
Basically, um, these days, my routine is I, I live walking distance from the beach. So I go to the beach basically every morning wow. and surf or, or, or swim or, you know, um, do some yoga down there. I just love the beach. I, um, I go to the market to get food base. And then uh, we just started. I'm, I'm, used, I'm a musical director of a church service in Beverly Hills. Right. Um, before I turn anybody off with the word church. Because okay? <laughs> even for me, when I hear that word, I go, oh, a little bit. But I just want to say that this church in particular, I would not be a part of this if this church was not totally inclusive of everybody and everyone, no matter what your faith is, what your sexual orientation is, uh, sexual gender, whatever. So just understand that, which is kind of what Jesus was talking about, right? Um, <laughs> inclusivity to all. Um, but, um, yeah, so I basically, we just started, we just started doing, uh, an outdoor patio, oh. um, in-person limited seating. And guess what? Uh, that was almost three weeks ago. I, and I think I hugged the kid. Was like, oh, I hadn't seen him in nine months or whatever. And sure enough, um, uh, COVID, oh, uh, yeah, tested positive. And I, I, you know, it's been almost three weeks for me. So I think I'm fine. I'm cool. But, but yeah, you just, you just never know, you know, I know other than that, I just, I visit my mom in Marina Del Rey and that's about the extent of my going out these days. So does it worry her? Like if you're going back to in-person situations, are you concerned about bringing it to your mom? Well, yeah, I, t I told her last week because I said, mom, I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking the rest of this week off. So um, so it will, it will, by the next time I see her, it will have been almost three weeks. Um, so I think we're, we're cool, but, um, but yeah, it's something, something definitely on my mind. And, um, so what and, is it like when you meet in person? Like how are you guys socially distancing? You're wearing masks, you're doing, wearing ma we are wearing masks. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're so, but some of us were just like, you cool the hug. I'm cool to hug. Okay. And so we'll do that. Like one of these numbers. You know, um, and um, and sometimes I still just forget to go out and go. I, I got like, so, sometimes I'll get out of my car to go into the store and I won't have my mask with me. I'm like, oh, that's right. Got to go back and get the mask. Um, but I actually had a, a, a nightmare last week that everywhere I went, I didn't. I, I'm COVID crazy. And everywhere I went, I didn't have a mask and I would walk in and nobody had a mask and everybody, nobody was social distancing. And I, this was it, literally a nightmare or, or it, it, it was a night. It was my worst nightmare and I was sleeping. Yeah, it was, it was a okay, dream. Okay. And, and I literally didn't, you know, I'd be the last person to forget the mask cause I'm nuts. So uh, it was it was actually a horrible nightmare of what it would be like to be out in the world right now and not have a mask and have people on top of me and yeah but but the thing about the hugging I so get it's um, the price of of isolation is so high and um, I think we we might have talked about this last time they've done studies on babies who were malnourished uh, who didn't have food and babies that weren't touched. And the babies that didn't have food did better than the ones who weren't touched. We, mm. need, we need that from them. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. I get it. It's, but at the same time, you know, the, the COVID numbers are insane and they're getting worse. And, mm. um, and as you said, you go to in-person meetings and you hug somebody and you find out they test positive. 
Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I hugged him. I can't remember exactly. I know I put my hand on his back, but yeah. And, um, and then his, his father and his sister have recently tested positive as well too, but they they seem to be doing okay. You know, um, they seem to be doing good. So, so I, you know, and I hear, I hear stories too. A friend of mine had it and he was like, was like just got getting a cold and he kissed his wife and she didn't get it. So it's like, it's hard. But, but then we have one of our COVID crazies. I don't know if Marge is on yet. I think she might be. She went to a lab to get tests, to get tests. She, she hadn't left her home. She had to go for blood work. She got COVID. It turned out um, all of the workers at the lab had it, nine workers. Oh, and man. had it 23 people in the waiting room got it. And she's a long hauler and had ongoing problems from it for months. Oh and man. So, you know, you don't know. It's you don't know what's gonna happen. So somebody's on the thread say Jude's saying, Randy, stay healthy. <laughs> stay healthy. Stay careful and stay healthy. Um, so okay, so how is your mom fair? How how is your mom dealing with it? Well, my mom, that's been one, another challenge that we've been going through is that she just, I, I mean, this year has been, woo. Um, I mean, even just in my own little world, I've had a couple of deaths with friends that were very young that weren't COVID related. One of them wasn't. I know the, I'm pretty sure the other one wasn't either, but, um, and my mother uh, has, has been in, laid in bed with a, a foot infection for the last like two months. And I think she's just starting to come around, but uh Boy, we've been in and out of hospitals and, oh. and uh, you know, caregivers and nurses and medications and this and that. And, you know, so it's been, it's been an ongoing thing. Um, uh, but she's hanging in there. And I, she may be watching. I don't know. She's, she's not tech savvy at all. I mean, she makes me look like Einstein with this stuff. But, <laughs> or um, Bill Gates or whatever. But... Uh, no, but God bless her. She may be on it. If you are, mom, I love you. And uh, maybe she'll see this, you know. If not now. Recorded later. version. Yeah, huh? yeah. If not now, later. Exactly. Okay, so I, I, I think we could use the shift in this energy. I, I, I know I can, you know, I start talking about this stuff. We talked briefly before the show. I lost somebody very important to me yesterday. And, you know, when you said that you lost two friends and it wasn't COVID related, this wasn't a COVID related passing and yet it was because um, my life coach was ill and he had to have surgery and he went to the hospital and his wife wasn't able to go with him. And so for a month he was isolated completely going through major health trauma and he'd already had issues ongoing for a while. And that loneliness and that isolation while going through trauma of surgery and tests and, and not having his true love with him or his kids or his cat or his couch, you know, and his comfort, um, he, he, he kind of, um, he kind of gave up. And um, I consider that a COVID related passing because right. I had things been different had his wife been with him in the hospital every day, I think he would have made different choices and his progress, I think he would have fared better. And I think there are a lot of people now, a lot of people getting all kinds of seemingly unrelated, stress-related illnesses that 
are, are all part of this. I mean, not just the, the COVID, but also what's going on politically and how that's impacting us, the stress of it. No matter what's wrong, it's right, right. challenging times. Absolutely, Vicki. Really well said, and what, what great insight. And I'm so sorry to hear about your friend. I really am. Okay, so let's have fun with this for a minute because, yeah. because, we're, uh, because uh, Jeremy Stevens was uh, one of the uh, founding writers and was all through uh, Fernwood Tonight in America Tonight, of which your dad, Dabney Coleman, um, appeared. And um, I just found out two days ago that Jeremy, I, you, you said, you're watching Mary Hartman now? Is that what you were binging? Yeah, I, had to say, I was binging it for a while. I've had to take a break from it for a little bit, to be honest with you. But yes, I watched a bunch of episodes. Yeah. Kind of crazy. And have you watched any Firmware tonight? You've seen some? I, ha I, I have it. I've only seen, I've, I've seen the scene, I've seen the episode with my dad on it. In it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Jay Jeter. out there was Merle Jeter. Oh Merle Jeter. So for those of you who don't know, Mary Hart, Mary Hartman never missed one episode, nor did I affirm it tonight or America Tonight. This is the best television. You know, I could see where now it would all be really dated and kind of really weird. But um, at the time, genius. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Genius. And so there was a sketch on Firmware Tonight. There was this bit, um, Leisure Suits Cause Cancer, which wasn't on your father's episode. But it, it was one of the funny, you know, at the time, leisure suits were like this big thing, like everybody was wearing leisure suits. Yep. And uh, yeah. And so Jeremy actually wrote the sketch, leisure, leisure suits cause cancer, which was a huge thing back in the 70s. And I never knew that was his sketch. Kind of. That's brilliant. awesome. But anyway, so, so let's talk about your dad for a minute. So you come from business and oh, wait, you know what, before we do that, Maybe we can shift up the mood and all get happy if you play some music for us. So you got how, it. How about if we do that? You got it. Good. I think I think my dad would would support that decision at this point. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, this is a song, it's, it's a relatively new song, but it's, it's a song that it will be going on my next record, which I am planning on having it released, looking uh, to have it released in, in next year, 2021. I will lay it down like a papa to his 
screen. It fakes a Lisa when I see it in my lover's eyes. I want to count my blessings and drink my wine. A wounded sparrow in a howling wind. I can't stop these tears from the shape I'm in. And no more be at this now. Say goodbye to Rome. Just I walk this path, it's time to get myself back home. So give me one more, one more song to sing. And I would lay it down like a papa to his queen. It's Saint Teresa when I see it in my lover's eyes. Yeah, I'm gonna count my blessings and drink my wine. for that <laughs> yeah you got that's for you Vicky. <laughs> okay so so let's talk about about your process how, how when did all this music start for you randy well i came to epiphany that uh at some point i think i, I it came it started from the moment i came out of the womb you know that's like and i that's my honest truth i actually believe like when people say i don't sing oh don't i don't sing I don't think it's true. I think we all came out of the womb sounding like Robert Plant, circa, 19, <laughs> circa 1969, you know? And we just, we've been fed this belief that we don't sing, but we do, you know? Um, so that's, I honestly, that's where I say, that's where it started for me. So, okay, so I, is Dabney, was he, is he musical? He actually is, he, yeah. He is, and he and he really has a deep appreciate. Both my mother and my father 
have a great um, appreciation for music. They love music and they, and they influenced me with their taste and their love for music. So what um, kind of music was playing in your house when you were growing well, up? Well, it's like old school, like John Denver, which I love, I love John Denver, you know, Ray Charles, Otis Redding, um, uh, Waylon and Willie, um, you know, uh, to just, yeah, to name, name a few, you know. So when you were a little kid, was that the first, what was the first thing you wanted to be when you go, when I grow up, I want to be? Right, so that's kind of, I want to be. Um, so I grew up with an older sister who was like a musical prodigy. She was like this amazing, brilliant, brilliant uh, um, uh, talent. And um, and being the kind of uh, Al-Anon that I am, I was like, oh, well, I guess that's her thing and I should find something else. So. I fell in love with the Blues Brothers and I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to act. Um, so I did get into acting, but then I couldn't help it. I just found myself grabbing my sister's secondhand guitar and teaching myself how to play and locking myself up in the room, like in my room and like pretending I was Freddie Mercury and starting to play in little high school bands and stuff. And, and, um, and uh, yeah, just music just kind of, it just unfolded just naturally for me to follow in that art form. When did you start writing your own? By the way, I love the song you played. And Oh, uh, thank you. Tell us the name of the song. It's called St. Teresa and in parentheses, In My Lover's Eyes. Mm. I like parentheses. I like old school songs with like, they had the parentheses, you know? I want you, she's so heavy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I have a subtitle on my book. I, I like that kind of stuff too. I love subtitles. Subtitles are really good. Um, What's your writing? All right, I'm asking like five questions at once. What's your writing? Do you have a writing process? Like, does the lyrics come before the music? Does the music come first? Do they come together? How does that usually work for you? It's usually the music. It's usually the music comes first. I, I start playing, and then and then either the words will present themselves to me. Um, I have a song called "Ashes in the Rain," where I I just the words started coming, and I realized two verses into it, I was like, oh my God, this is about Johnny Cash. This is about Johnny Cash singing to June Carter on the other wow. side. Wow. So, um, so yeah, it's called Ballad of Johnny and June. Um, Ashes in the Rain, Ballad, in parentheses, Ballad of Johnny and June. <laughs> and then sometimes, yeah, just play, play music. And if there's an experience that I'm going through or a feeling that I'm having, I'm like, okay, this is where I've got to put these feelings and emotions into this music. So, okay, so you're playing in some bands you're, and your, your sister has quite a career. I, I am aware of that. She's amazingly talented. And your father is having this huge career in Hollywood. H how did that impact you? Did you spend time on sets when you were a kid? Did you do that? You know, my dad, fortunately enough for me, it was like, um, well, you know, <laughs> To, let's, to be real honest, I, I, you know, um, full transparency, my parents didn't get along very well. So, I, you know, there was a lot of separation and there was just a lot of times I just didn't see him, you know, and the life that he led, you know. But, um, but he did, and he was also very cautious of subjecting us children to that environment too, which I really appreciate. Um, and so, uh, you know, in terms of like, pursuing acting as a child, you know? But um, I do remember going on the set of Nine to Five. I was on the set 
on nine to five and met and I remember meeting Dolly and 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 Lily and 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 Jane and and uh, and I saw this I saw the the infamous you know iconic scene where they tie my father up and she's I and I remember asking I was a kid I was a little kid and I was like I was like after they we they filmed that scene I was like I was like Dad I think I heard Jane Fonda laugh and he was like <laughs> she was like don't worry they'll take care of that in the editing rooms like I didn't understand what that was but like but. Um, <laughs> I saw that, that was awesome. And then I actually was on the set of, of um, On Golden Pond. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that was really cool. Henry Fonda? Henry Fonda, Catherine Hepburn and Jane Fonda. I mean, the wow. Mount Rushmore of <laughs> American wow. cinema as we know it. Wow. Yeah. Did you realize at the time the uh, you couldn't possibly have you must have been so young no yeah like who who like who Catherine Hepburn was and well, no. I mean, the magnitude of what you were in the middle of you couldn't possibly have known that then right I I didn't I I started to have a kind of a concept but but no not really not really I was more interested I think in the U.S. Open at the time because they <laughs> shot it in August so yeah so, okay, so you're doing high school bands and do you know, I, I wanna be a musician, that's what I wanna do? Did you know yeah, that? Yeah, I think, I think by then it was like, I fell in love with the Beatles. So, so what happened was I got my sister's hand-me-down uh, acoustic guitar and then I like fell in love with the police and the Beatles. Mm -hmm. And um, fortunately for me, like the Beatles songs were like, they were, simple enough for me to like you know I could look at where you put your fingers to play the chords and so I learned a lot of Beatles songs and then um I found it and then a, a, a friend of mine at you know I met in high school we were like okay we got to get like a Beatle-y thing going um so we started playing music together in high school and that carried me through college and and then and then I left music for a while to go study acting and where did you do that I did it at CalArts uh-huh and and what would what was the dream what was the dream attached to that what kind of acting did you want to do well i was i mean so at the time i was a little bit jaded with the music scene when this was right around now we're getting up to about post-college like right after college end of college this is right at the grunge movement the seattle movement and um had a band and we were, you know, with this label at the time that was my friend at the time started this label called Vagrant Records, which blew up. This label absolutely blew up. And I and Jimmy Iovine uh, took over wow. Interscope and Butwit. Yeah. And so, um, but we, uh, but the, the band just fell apart. It just imploded. And then I just got kind of jaded with the whole music scene. And then um, I was spiritually kind of lost at that time, went to India to do the, to do the George Harrison thing wow. um, and shave my head. I lasted three, three days in India, came back home. Okay, and... wait, no, you can't rush through this. Okay, okay. Okay, so did you find God? What, what, three day, what happened after three days? Come on, I want this story. Yeah, so, okay, so, so this was, I was like the, the quintessential like Gen X, like lot, like this was just right around, right before Kurt, you know, God rest his soul, like took his life. Um, but this, I was like the, like the, the epitome Gen X-y guy, you know, slacker, sleeping in late, not really, couldn't really find a job, you know, that guy, brooding artist guy, the world doesn't understand me, 
Um, you know, everything smells like teen spirit. Um, <laughs> you know, so, uh, and then my, my cousin, uh, my cousin, uh, went to India, stayed, um, went to an ashram in India uh-huh. and stayed there for six months. And he's like, dude, come on down. And I was like, I've got nothing going on. I'm going, let's go. So went out there and it was such a culture shock. It was, I mean, I just was not in a place spiritually, physically, like psychologically to, I mean, I was also very shocked. I didn't have much experience traveling at that point in my life. It was just too much. And I just freaked out. Were you doing huh? that? How old were you when you did this? This was, I, well, I'm a late bloomer too. So I was like 24, 25. Yeah. Which means kind of like, think of that as like 18 <laughs> at best. But best. I, I, I get that. I get that. Um, so, okay. Yeah, go ahead. So tell us the rest of the story. <laughs> so, so it just, you know, I was like, I got to get home. I got to get back home. And so I came home. This was during the earthquake, the earthquake of 94. And, mm-hmm. um, and the money that I was going to use for that, uh, for the, for the, to stay at the ashram, uh-huh. I was, I put it into act to an acting class with a woman named Joanne Linville who helped start the Stella Adler Conservatory out here. And that's when I just got really, I got really into acting then. And then I just, then I went for a summer course in, at Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, where we were doing it all day long. It was a conservatory. So we were like doing it five days a week. It was like, I called my dad, I was like, Pops, I gotta, I gotta do this. Like, I need to like go two years. So, um, I ended up going three years actually to get my master's in fine arts and in theater at CalArts. Um, okay, so did you ha- did you have any like job jobs through this, like through this part of your life? At that time, I was just temping. Uh-huh. Answering phones and yeah. And then I got a job, actually I got a job at a, a music magazine called Music Connection Magazine. Uh-huh started by one of my best friends who I actually, I, I mentioned him before um, talking about the world is th- thinking about the same thing with this pandemic. Um, his name is Michael Dolan. He's one of the publishers of, of Music Connection Magazine. Um, so yeah, I worked there for a while. And then I actually did work for my father on his TV show called Mad Men of People. Uh, yeah. Wow. Cynthia Wait. Gibb, Cynthia Gibb. Yeah, what did you do, what did you do? What was your gig in that? Uh, just, I was his PA. Yeah. How was that? It was it was weird. It was like, it was cool. And then it was like, eh, I don't know, this is going to work for me. I, you know, being a PA for my dad. So it didn't last long. And the show actually got canceled. And I, and I remember actually it did as well as, I think it was doing as well as Friends. It was like right there and they canceled the show. I, yeah, wow. yeah. I don't know. I don't know how those things work. That's great. And, and so what, what acting work did you get along the way when you were trying to do that? What, what did you do as an actor? I just basically, my acting experience really is uh, all in, it's just school, you know, school acting, um, you know, the theater that I did there. Because once I graduated from CalArts, I went straight to music and haven't looked back. However, I did, I did do a movie through my church. I, I, I played the lead role in this, in this feature film based on a true story a few years ago. Um, which was an amazing experience. Um, how can we find it? It's called This Day Forward. I, I believe it's, it's, you can go this day, 
I think thisdayforward.com, I wish I knew. Uh, it, if you type Google This Day Forward, the movie, um, it'll take you to a link. And I think it's like five bucks to rent it to, on Vimeo or whatever. And all the proceeds, you go back to uh, the church and to the family. So I'm not making anything off it from here on out. I, I uh, thank you. I, I read uh, a little synopsis, <laughs> the, the two line synopsis of, of, of the true story of what it's about. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically based on a, 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 a man who lives in, um, from Waverly, Iowa, a little town in Iowa, married his high school sweetheart. He was, he was the alpha male of the town, went on to get his degree, music, uh, master's degree in vocal. He was in a rock band. He was teaching, um, teaching voice at the university. He was the musical director of a church service. And then at 30, he has three, three beautiful young girls, um, uh, and, um, and built like, oh my God, I mean, just like alpha male guy, right. And gets, he gets, uh, diagnosed with an inoperable, um, malignant tumor in his brain of which he is defying the laws of fucking cancer. Like he's had like over 80, apparently over 80 chemotherapy. Um, wow. yeah, yeah. It, uh, and, uh, he's, you can't, he does, like, he still has hair, like he's still buff. Like he's like, he's wow. amazing. His name is Mike Jensen. Yeah. I watched the trailer. It's uh, emotionally um, intense, to say that. It is intense, yeah. You're, you're it, intense. You're, yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'd love to rent it and see it. Um, and so he's still with us? He is still with us, yeah. Yeah, he's in, he's in assisted living right now. Um, and, I, and I'm not sure if, I think that is... I think that's where he's at right now. Um, and, uh, and, um, no, he is in assisted living. I was going to say, is he there because of COVID? No, he's there because it just, it, you know, with the medications and everything, um, he, he, he needs that attention. How long ago um, did you film? We filmed this, <coughs> uh, three years ago, 2017. Pretty recently. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I just want to, I just want to put a shout out to like, he, he has this like mantra that he came up with and um, I'm wondering, do I have my, do I have the t-shirt here? I was wearing it earlier today, but it's uh, everybody love everybody. That's his ELE. That's his mantra. Everybody love everybody. Gotta love that. Gotta love that. Wow. Um, so how did music start making, how did you start making a living from music? What, what was your road into that? Well, I would, I would go back to, you know, a couple of things that happened. I mean, really what I remember as a child is, um, I remember my, my older sister, like I told you, she was like this musical, probably just amazing, incredible singer, songwriter. And, and um, she, she fell in love with Queen. And, um, and she didn't realize that her little brother also was falling in love with Queen, um, you know? And uh, so... That really started that 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 got me into like that that got me interested really in like wanting to know more about music and how do I do this, you know? And I actually started out on drums and I started playing drums in a band like back in grammar school. And then I was like, no, 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 I want to get out in front. So um so I started to learn to play bass, like learn police songs and 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 um and then um well, yeah. 
when did you sing? Um, I imagine your voice is incredible. Were you always singing out front? Was that your thing in your school band? In your band? Yeah, I mean, by then, by high school, it was like I knew I, that's what I wanted to do. Like I was like so I was so into staying in the Police at the time and Freddie Mercury, you know, and the Beatles. And so, so I just was like, yeah, this is this is what I want to do. I want to sing, and and um, so. Yeah, so I've been with the acting and the, and the music thing, and uh, and then right after college, I uh, my friend who had started that record company, his name is Richard Egan. He started the record company Vagrant Records. Um, he signed me to his label, and uh, I recorded a, an album which got assigned to a major label through uh, through Tom Shadyac, who I was talking to you about before, uh, who had started a label called Three Thirty Three under the Universal umbrella. And this was all, you know, this is right at the beginning of Napster, right, right at the beginning of uh, um, the, the millennium, millennial and, uh, and uh, where the record industry was just being turned upside down. And so our band, it just, it just, I don't think our album ever really was even released. Um, and the, the label just fell apart. And so I just kept moving as an independent artist and kept playing on my own. And how, so how did you, what 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 did you do? I mean, I, I want to get into your brain a little bit because I don't know oh that. Oh God, I, good luck. Well, <laughs> I don't know that I know anybody. You know, I just you're gonna need three twelve step meetings I, for that. I just noticed. I forgot. This is the first day of my uh, life in decade that I am not wearing feathers. I forgot to put in my. I'm so famished over uh events of the, this week that i i'm not wearing feather it's shocking Vicky, you are the feather you are the feather <laughs> thank you um so i want to get into your brain because i don't know anybody else nobody and i know a lot of people in the business trying to do things that have nine million hits on a video i don't know anybody else that's been able to accomplish that so i don't know if that's something that you masterminded if you walked into a miracle um, and just opportunity meeting talent, I want to get into that, but, but there was a road to that because that didn't happen yesterday. When did you put out Bohemian Rhapsody? How long ago? So, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I put that out in August, I think late August, early September of 2015. Okay, so um, five years ago. So prior, prior to that, prior to that, you were a working musician. Yeah, struggling and working and struggling and working. Yeah. Okay, so um, did the um, did your big gigs where you uh, uh, opened for Brian Adams and for Def Leppard and for the Who? Did that all happen post? Pre. Okay, so, now, so how the hell did that, so tell us, how the hell did that happen when you opened for the Who at the Hollywood Bowl? I saw the Who at the Hollywood Bowl last year. It was like the greatest show I have ever seen in my life. Oh, oh my God, they, they played last year. They're amazing, man. They're just like, was Pino, was Pino playing bass? Um, and Zach Starkey on drums? Yes. Zach Starkey's amazing, man. He's an incredible drummer. He's amazing. And the guy, the person and I Pino. is pissed because um, because Zach was playing electronic drums and, and, and the person I was with did not like that. And really? I found it amazing. And huh. 
I had no problem with it at all, personally. My friend Lauren Gold is the keyboard player, has been with The Who for seven years. How long ago did you play with The Who? Um, this was just a one-off. So my manager at the time, his name is Doc McGee. Or do you know who Doc McGee is? Oh, yes, I do. Yeah, so Doc McGee was my manager at the time, and he had he had the connection. So it was there was no he made a call or whatever, and there and it was like really it was really quick. It wasn't like they were pre-planned, and you know um, it was uh, it was like within a few days, like hey can my artist come and get have 30 minutes? They're like, he's get, I think, I think I was given 25 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. And they were like, if he plays one minute over, we're cutting him. I was like, cool. Wow. So, yeah. And that was, that was an intense experience, man. And I remember going backstage and warming up I'm, or sound checking and, and there was Roger Daltrey sound checking. Pete Townsend wasn't there sound checking, uh, but Roger was there and and there was Eddie Vedder like hanging out with a little baby. I'm assuming it was his baby. Like there was Eddie just with this, that, that sweet smile that he has, you know? And um, so it was just, it was cool. And, and I, I think that was probably the one of the scariest experiences of, uh, in my life. Like, can I just walk from the side stage to the microphone without my knees buckling? How long ago um, was this? Huh? How long this ago? This was uh, 2000. August, I think it was August 9th of 2004. Wow. Okay. And so, I mean, how, how, how were the fans with you? I mean, because they're waiting for the- Great. It was great. We did good. We did good. And it was interesting. It was actually an amazing story. I mean, an amazing experience because I got out there and for some reason, of course, this would be the, you know, the gig. Um, you guys are cool to swear, right? Is it cool to swear? Oh, yeah. I think, okay, I, I, I think Zane asked you that question too. Uh, all right, um, he so did. we were, we were um, I got out there and I started strumming my guitar and it was just overtly out of tune. It was just like, you know, there's cool like Bob Dylan out of tune where it's cool, you know what I'm saying? And then there's just like, what the hell is that out of tune, you know? And it was just like nothing, I wasn't something I could cover up and I just, and I remember my guitar player, one of my best friends in the back. I just remember this beautiful moment. He goes, I got your back. And I just, and I remember like just stepping on my, my, uh, the kill switch to my guitar. And I just put my arms out like this and I just sang. And it was like, I was like, I'm, I'm either going to die or I'm going to fly. One or the other. It's one or the other. There's no in between here, Vicky. There's no in between. So I was like, fuck it. They may shoot me, but I'm going to fly, you know, I'm going to fly. God, you had another guitar player back there. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, 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 I mean, he actually just recently won an Emmy for, uh, uh, what was that TV show with Jeff Daniels? It was a one-off. Um, not, not the news. No, no, no. Came after. Um, it was, it was a, it was a, 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 um, a Western. I can't oh. remember what the can't remember the name of it, but yeah, we starred Jeff Daniels. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, he won an Emmy for, for composing the music. His name is Carlos Rafael Rivera. How fantastic. Yeah. So, okay, so, so you got that from, from Doc McGee. Is that the way that you got Brian Adams and, and Def Leppard? Was that the same time period? Um, yeah, I'm gonna just, I just, I, um, 
Sorry, I'm just, I just got to find out what the name of this movie is. Um, Godless, Godless. And how long ago was that, recently? That was, I think, like two years ago. Very cool. Um, so yeah, with Brian Adams and uh, Def Leppard, that was also through Doc McGee. That was through Doc McGee. So he knew those guys and or I think he knew Def, Def Leppard. Uh -huh. And they were doing a, a summer tour together. They were doing three legs, West Coast, East Coast, and up the middle of the country. And uh, yeah, and he just did his stuff. I, I, he made the phone calls like, can we, can, can you allow a 30, you know, my artist uh, to do a, an acoustic set? And it was just, it was just me and that, that guitar player, Carlos, just me and him, he and I. Uh, we, we, we did a 30 minute set um, before Def Leppard and Brian Adams. And can I just say like, oh my God, Brian Adams, like, I don't even, I'm not sure the records do justice to what that guy can do with his voice. Wow. He's, he is like, I, he's such an under, I, I mean, he's an incredible singer, man. an incredible singer. And he delivered every, every night. Wow. And, and, Def Leppard guys, I can't speak more highly of them. They were awesome, especially Rick, the, the drummer. He really befriended me. He was a really, really cool guy. Deeply spiritual, beautiful man. Um, and those guys, I really admired those guys because look, they, you know, this is, I mean, they had every, they had every reason in the world to kind of just shoo it in, right? They worked, they had such great like blue collar work ethic, like, yeah, they were at the. They were there at every um, sound check, as if th this was the, the the as if this was the only show. You know, it's the greatest show that the you know the show that they had to, um, you know, the most important show is what I'm trying to say. And you really admired their work ethic. Wow, that's really good to hear. So, so at that time, you were being handled by Doc McGee. You were touring you were recording um and what what's gone on since then that was a while ago how yes, that, how did you uh, get from there to having okay so you always loved queen you were saying that your sister got you was into queen and that kind of in, in influenced you right yeah um, yeah a lot of people have covered bohemian rhapsody a lot of people have covered it and uh, a lot of people try to do it justice. Um, what you have done with it is absolutely extraordinary. How, how did you go from there to that? How, I, I, I can't even fathom how you get 9 million hits on the video. Did, was that so, something you, manu did you orchestrate it or did it just happen? It's, it's, it's uh, I would say probably a little bit of both. I mean, when you say orchestrated, so, um, I mean, I didn't do anything to market it, to be honest with you. And at the time I, I was just, just kind of getting hip. I mean, I've been so late to the game with social media, you know? I mean, I think I had, honestly, Vicky, I think I had like um, maybe like 750 like followers on Facebook or what a time. And now I, and then just, it just, you know, I think I have 25,000 or something like that. But, and that's so, I mean, I pretty much all to do with Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, and, um, but I, I had it in my head, I guess I remember thinking to myself at some point, I just remember thinking to myself, God, if I can learn, if I can, if I can do Bohemian Rhapsody 
if I, if, if I can pull this off, I did have that, this, this intuitive feeling like it could change my life. I just, I, I remember feeling, I remember thinking that and feeling that. And I also remember like, not just like, oh, if I learn the chords and I sing it right, it wasn't just about that. It was, it was knowing that I coming from a place of it's in my blood, knowing that it's coming from a place of that song's like saved my life, you know, like Queen saved my life. Like they, you know, this was, this was a band that I turned to as for medicine, you know, uh, growing up in, in my household, you know what I mean? Like this was like, they gave me a sense of, of purpose and vision, you know, and, um, and I knew it was in my blood, you know, like as a child, the love, you know, loving something as a child, I knew I could bring that to my, my interpretation or, you know, my expression of the song. Did you, and, you could pull it off as a solo? Did you know you could do that? No, and I remember the first time I tried doing it live, I was like, I, I rehearsed it, rehearsed it, and I remember singing it live, and it was kind of a disaster the first time I sang it live, because I, did, I didn't position, like, the, the nuances of the song, it's like the peaks and the valleys and the falsettos and the highs and the lows, like, you have to really, you know, I have to, I've learned how to really learn to, to work the microphone with that song. Um, and also, also, it's a song, too, that, like, it, it just, it just, it's a song that, you know, I knew, everybody knows everybody in the world knows this song right everybody also knows that the singer who sang that song is if not the greatest singer that ever lived one of the greatest singers that ever lived and everybody agrees to that doesn't matter who you are you know right. so i knew i i knew you know if if, if it was you know if I could pull it off, I, I you know, I knew it, it could, it, it could be a game changer. And at the same time, I just wanted to sing it too. I just felt, I felt compelled from my heart to sing it. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and so, yeah, you know, I, I, I did it and I, and I put it out there. And at first, at first it didn't get that much reaction. I mean, it got good reaction, but then I just remember I, I put it out in like August or September of, 2015 and then I remember um I remember uh wait now at the time you put it out Randy w w at what stage of your what was going on in your career when you did this what were you doing at that time yeah I was I was struggling I was struggling I was I was looking for gigs I was just get, getting whatever gigs I could get you know around uh, LA and um I was definitely I was definitely struggling were you doing um, original music? Were you mixing originals with covers? What were you doing? Well, mostly, that? I mean, at that time, and, and my bread and butter has been like gigging out doing cover songs, you know, right. and, um, and, uh, but, and, and this last tour that I went on Quebec with, in Quebec last, actually a year ago, amazing tour um, was, that was mostly all, mostly originals. And it was just, I was like, and then COVID came, but, it's all good. It's all good. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was just just trying to get gigs, you know, wherever it was. Have you found that because you did this cover that blew up the way it did, people are more willing to listen to your originals now and be? I think I think so. Mm -hmm. I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Um... Okay. So let's go back to the Bohemian Rhapsody story. So, okay. So so. 
you at some point intuitively knew I can do this alone and I can make, because I feel this so passionately, I can make this work. You, you knew you could do that. I, I just, I just felt, I felt like I can make it my own. I'm not going to try to don't do Freddie Mercury. I mean, no one can be Freddie Mercury. You know, like I will say, I think Mark Martell is amazing at what he can do with his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's amazing what he can do. Um, but there's no, and there's, I'm not gonna say, but, and there's no Freddie Mercury other than Freddie Mercury um, for me. And, um, but yeah, I just thought, you know, it just, you know, I, I knew that I, I had something to offer. I knew I could make it my own, do something that was my own with the song. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, um, who, who, and I felt, and I did feel, I did feel, I did feel emotionally that I could bring something emotionally to the song, to, to that song. And, um, and so, you know, I just did it. And, um, and I, um, and I remember we went to my, the, the ch- we actually shot it in the church that I'm musical director of in Beverly Hills. And, um, oh, that church is so amazing. It's a beautiful I, video. I know it's amazing. Right. Yeah. So I asked, I asked the associate director at the time, I was like, Hey man, can I use the space? He was like, absolutely. So it came in and I remember shooting, um, we did like three, we had already had three takes, okay? Who so there was three takes, but he had the camera. It was a stationary camera. He just had it on, you know, who do, stationary who camera. Huh? Who directed it? Uh, Jay, his name is Jay Alero, but here's the thing. So he just came to record me. So he just, he just basically had it, uh, uh, you know, on a stand, the camera. So it's just one shot, one, one shot, one angle, right? And I did it a few times. He was like, dude, you got it. We got it. I was like, awesome, cool. I was like, hey man, can we do one more where you hold the camera? Can you hand hold the camera? He was like, all right, let's do one more. And I just remember the experience, like when he was holding the camera and moving in, I gotta say it was just, and while I was singing it, I was like, I, I like can say for me is I felt something magical happen with him and, and the camera and, 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 and both of us, something magical happened for me. And I was, and, and that's the take that we went with. And, I, and I'd like to think that maybe with, I say this with great humility, I think that maybe people are picking, picked up on that, that moment. Yeah. Um, because it was just, it was a moment I'll never forget. Um, and so basic, and, and then basically what happened was we were, we really, I released the video, got some, got some moderate hits um, and some great comments at first. And, and I remember thinking to myself, and so when, a few- When you release it, how many, how many followers do you have when you release it? I, I, like I said, I'm probably around 700. I, I'd maybe like, I think, I think I had like maybe 700 um, like followers on Facebook. And I, I, I'm YouTube, I'm YouTube subscribers. I don't need, I, I probably had hardly had any, you know, and now I've got 65,000. It's like a main, it's like, you know, okay, I'm I, think, I think the last I checked was 65,000. Um, so yeah, so I released it, didn't get this, this amazing reaction that I was hoping to get at first, uh, three months into it. And I was like, all right, okay, cool. I mean, I guess, I guess it's not gonna, I guess it's not gonna do what I thought maybe it could do. And I remember it was December, right around Christmas, like in between Christmas and New Year's, um, um, 
and Hanukkah, let's say that too, Christmas and Hanukkah. And um, I just remember waking up to like, I just saw like 64 emails. I was like, what is this? And it was just all these emails that, and I was like, what is all this French? And it was like in French. And I was like, what's going on? And it was like, basically letting me know, like all these people um, were making comments and, 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 and on my YouTube, and I didn't understand what it actually kind of scared me at first because I'm so I was so late to the game. I'm so not social media tech savvy. And I was like, what's going on with my phone? What's going on? Like, did I do something wrong? Am I in trouble? I was like, what the fuck? And um, and then I and then I went to go look at my views, and it went from like 10,000 after three months to like 17,000, like within a few days or something. I was like, oh my God, what's going on? And then I had a friend of mine in France who works for France 24, which is like the morning show, like news show for France. She was like, yeah, they're doing a, they're doing a, they're doing like a special on your song. They're doing like, and they want to bring you on the show to do it. And it never happened. It, it hasn't happened yet, but, but yeah. And suddenly I just started getting all this activity from France. Wow. Of all places. Yeah. And, Jerry and, um, Lewis. Huh? And Jerry Lewis. Me and Jerry Liz. That's right. That's right. Um, so yeah, and and it just it just um, it just I don't know. It just took off from there. And then I was asked to go. And then a woman from Quebec heard it and invited me. And I've been been doing a lot of a lot of um, gigs out there in, in Quebec for the last four years. And so this was not perpetuated by you. This just kind of happened. It just, it just, it, my dream came true. I mean, it did like what I, what I envisioned, I thought could happen. It did happen. Okay. So maybe you did, maybe creative visualization, maybe you manifested it by putting that out in the universe and believing it. I believe in that. Yes. Um, me so too. you saw this before you did it as something that could change your life. You, you, you had that, in, you had that intuitive I think, well, I think, like I said, you know, I think I had the, the, the understanding that like, this is this, and, and I hadn't seen too many, actually I'd seen Reeve do a good cover of it. Reeve Carney did a good cover of it. Um, he was really the only person I remember at the time that, that had been doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I love Reeve. I think Reeve's amazing. Um, uh, and so, you know, I just thought, you know, this, this, this is the song to do, man. Like, if you can do this, you can pull it off. And, and also, and, and a, another dream of mine has been, I wonder if like Brian and Roger and John from Queen have seen it, you know? I wonder, I just wonder, you know? You don't but, know um, the answer to that stuff. And one of the, huh? You don't know the answer to that? I don't, I don't know, but- um, I would guess they have. I, I would guess somebody must've mentioned it to them. Maybe, maybe, you know, who knows, but- uh, um, and the greatest, when I, the compliments that I get, you know, especially the ones that say, ah, it almost like makes me want to cry. Like when I hear like, um, you know, like when they say like Freddie would be proud of you, like that's like, you know, and I'm not, I, I can see Freddie going both ways. Oh, darling, just let me sing the song. You know, I can see him going, you know, nice try, but you know, but, um, but somewhere I believe like in the ether and, and, you know, from, the language of the heart, he knows, he, he, he's feeling the vibe. And, um, and, uh, and that's what feels really good to me. I love that. How, how did 
And when the film came out, I would imagine that would have given your video a whole nother life. Did it give, did it do that? Did the film? Yeah. Well, you know, that's, again, that would be a, a question. I, I don't think so. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, it's been, I, I, you know, that's a question that I would leave for my, the director um, who directed it. Like, I kind of no, 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 let it go. Video a new life. Did, like when the film came out, you must have gotten a shit ton more hits is what I'm guessing. The, 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 you mean this day forward? No, Bohemian Rhapsody when the film came out. Yeah. Oh, you, you mean the video? No, when the movie came out about Freddie and-, and Oh, oh, Jesus, good God. Hello. Oh my God. We had, I had a little Mercury in retrograde moment there with you. Oh my God. I hope your audience is still with us. Okay. <laughs> Forgive me. I, now I know what you're saying. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yes, it did. <laughs> yes, it did. When Bohemian Rhapsody, the video came out, both my Bohemian, both my Bohemian Rhapsody single, um, had a spike and, uh, a substantial one. And so did my David Bowie cover as well, too. You have a bunch of covers. And from what I've seen, they all, you've got a lot of hits on your original stuff. You've got a lot of hits on your covers. You, you have a, a strong following on YouTube. Very strong. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful. And I'm grateful to every single one. I'm even, you know what? I won't even say this. I'm grateful to the ones who say I suck. <laughs> Because they are out there. I'll, I'll, it's like I'll wake up in the morning. I'll see it like you're lousy or whatever. Like, like you suck. Like, I'm like okay, great, man. Thank you. At least you're watching, you know. But um, we've been talking about your music for a long time, and I won't. And you did that for us last time. But I, I know you have something prepared for us about something about your dog. I think you're going to play. Oh, for. yes. Would you like to hear that? I would like to hear that. It's very short. Okay. This is for dog lovers out there. By the way, can you see me? Do you want me to turn on a light? No, you're good. I got. Am I good? Okay. Um, so, um, I'm one of those people that just loves dogs and sees dogs more than just dogs. Um, and uh, and I needed to write a song for my dog. So it's very short, and very simple. But this is it. It's called "Song for My Dog." My dog is the greatest person I have ever known. You can keep your guns and drugs and stuff and your sticks and stones. Find me a patch of green where she and I can dream. Of all the different ways we like to play and feel so free. My dog is the greatest person. I have ever known And when we part It breaks my heart 
So I wrote this song in my point of view. She's just like me and you. No different in the way we like to say, hey, I love you. No different in the way we say, I love you. <laughs> so sweet. I love it. I mean, I dig it. I love that your dog's your favorite person. <laughs> she is at least one of my favorite people in the world, yes. Oh, so sweet. Um, so, okay, so you, you don't really mastermind. You work, somebody asked if you channeled uh, Freddie Mercury when you did the recording. Were you, do you, I would imagine you're in your own thing, but I'll, I'm asking the question because Tova posed it. Am I channeling? That's, I mean, honestly, that would be a question I have, uh, you know, that's a great question. I'm, uh, it's an awesome question. I would have to leave that in the audiences. I would leave, have to leave the answer for the audience on that one. Uh, that's, I would just have to say I have no, um, that's not my place to say that or not, you know, something, I know something happened during that recording and, and I, I don't, I don't like to, put any kind of words around it you know it, it is what it is and and um that's it that's all yeah that's that's plenty um so have you masterminded since then so you you had this huge i mean because what happened to you randy there are so many people trying to make that kind of magic happen on youtube or you know on facebook so many people out there trying to get heard and trying to find their audience and all of that and you have you know lightning uh my mentor anson williams uh talks about lightning in a bottle and getting that to happen you had lightning in a bottle you, you've had lightning in a bottle that's a rare and wondrous thing that I, I i think it is that thing they call opportunity meeting uh luck meeting the right time all of those things the universe conspired for this to happen for you so has it been an onward has there been a conscious act that goes along with it to perpetuate that like are you more social media savvy now do you work it like what is that now for you? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I, 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 I have become more um, uh, social media. I don't know if savvy is the right word, but <laughs> yes, yes, I've been embracing it. Let's put it that way. Um, I've, I've been embracing it more. Um, it, it, it's not something that comes uh, very naturally to me. You know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm more like I just want to sing and play guitar and write songs and, and do that kind of thing. You know. Um, but I have become more, um, yes, embracing, embracing it, I think would be the best word to, to describe it. So if you could be the architect of your future, and if you could manifest your next dream, what might that look like? 
Well, you know, it was, it, it, so those questions, that's like, what's your five-year plan? Um, you know, I, you, you, you know, a year ago, um, I'd started this tour in Quebec and it was, it was an amazing experience. Um, and it was like, yes, I'm, this is where I'm supposed to be, right? I'm supposed to be here singing the songs that I've written, singing, also singing the songs that, um, that I haven't written, but that are, that I've made my own as well too. And, and there was, there seemed to be kind of a flow going with that. And then we get hit with this COVID thing. Um, so for me, honestly, Vicky, it's just, I want to continue to write my own music, sing, play my own music, get my music. You know, I'm, I'm in the process of finishing writing my next album. Um, I'm assessing right now how this is going to be recorded. I had started, uh, we were having, we were scheduled for our first recording date back in April, April 1st, I think it was. And it was like, look, it's COVID, whatever. Now I'm, I'm looking into possibly getting some more, like becoming more tech savvy and becoming, empowering myself, like being able to record myself. I just got my new MacBook Pro computer. I'm just ordered it. So that's on its way. Um, so, you know, and just continue to, um, you know, um, be a presence, be a presence out there and, um, and do what I can to start playing out, um, you know, where I can. I mean, there's now, I'm just starting to get little gigs here going out and playing out again. Um, what does that look like? How are you able to, like, what, where, like, where, what, how? Outside, so, um, yeah, I, I was like, I was almost moved to tears. I was actually, oh my God, am I really grinding this in for the first time in nine months? I've got a gig, like, so one of my gigs is I'm, I'm actually playing it at a friend of mine's who I used to play at her restaurant. And now she's gonna have me play outside. I'll probably be wearing a mask, I, would, I think, I don't know. But I, if not, I'll sure I'll, there'll be, um, you know, social distance. Uh, but uh, yeah, playing playing outside. Um, I just literally today just was gonna do a, a living room show up in the Bay Area. But we just, I literally just talked to the woman. We're like, let's. This isn't the time to do it right now during the winter time where it's in, we're enclosed, you know, in enclosed space where right. we have to shut the windows. We just can't do that. So um, yeah, you know. But I just I'm just just. I've got, I've got one choice or another. I, I just got to trust everything that's going on. Everything's happening for a reason. And, you know, my vision is to continue to play music, to continue to get out there and, and play and travel and, and um, record my own stuff, write and record and, and, and perform my own stuff and, and the cover songs that I love to play as well, too. Um, do you have a daily disc? I mean, and I'm not saying this to put you on the spot at all because mine's gone out, but do you have a daily discipline? I'm, do you, um, what's your day like, Randy? Well, yeah, so, so first, I mean, my day, I mean, first and foremost is like, I've got to take care of myself spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. So I have like a routine, you know, do I do it perfectly? I don't do it perfectly, but um, but I do have a basic routine and it's interesting because I'm literally just starting to get into the writing and I don't know, and I've been hearing this with other musicians as well too, because I would have thought like, oh, I would have been writing at the beginning of COVID. Um, but it was, I think there was just a lot of just 
settling into the newness of everything that's happening um, uh, in the world and, and how that's affecting me um, you know, on the mac macro and the micro. And, um, and I'm just, I've just started getting into like, I'm now starting to initiate the writing now more. And um, so it's, it's, it's get up in the morning, you know, uh, do, do, do um, try to do some, you know, meditation, get to the beach, work out, come home, eat lunch. I, I have my spiritual communities, so-called meetings that I attend to. Um, and then the afternoons get creative and, 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 and work. That's starting to become more of the, the mold right now. Um, so, uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm, and I'm, but writing is a thing too. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing because it's like, you know, I've got to, I've got to feel it, man. I've got, I've got to feel it, you know, and I'm now starting to feel it again. You know, I, I, writing songs doesn't necessarily come easy to me. It's got to be, um, you know, I, you know, it's, you know, I hear about like these stories of John and Paul, like going in and they would just bang out a song every day, you know, like three hours, bang, bang a song. And that's just not really my process. Um, so it's just, uh, but I, I am, I am in that state of mind now. I'm in that place now where I'm ready to, I feel the juice is happening and I'm ready to create. I love that, you know, and um, you're not alone. I'm a writer and I have been writing. I mean, I write every day. I have a daily discipline that I have to write morning pages every day. And, you know, I write the posts for the show and stuff. But I haven't worked on my screenplay. Lit one, I, I think I, one day I sat down and tried to do some work. I haven't written a column in this whole COVID thing. Um, I think it's, it's shaken. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's too much freedom. Maybe there's too much. Mm. This is going to last forever, so I don't have to start today. I don't. I don't know what it is, but um, there's been a lot of time, and I think there's been a lot of creativity. I mean, I go live every day, and there's something a lot to be said for that. Um, but but I know a lot of artists who really have not used the time to create tangible art so i think i think what I, another way to kind of maybe look at that from another perspective i think is that maybe there's something intuitively happening or subconsciously happening to us artists that are just starting maybe this is the time to just sit and pay attention to what's going on in the world you know and that we are actually working that this is part of the process i love you know what i mean do you know what i, I mean like I know, i'm always writing if i you know once i have an idea exactly it can take me six months to actually get it on the paper, but every exactly. time I in the shower, every time I drive my car, every time I go for a walk, it's working. Exactly, exactly. And I, and I think part of it right now for me is to just not be hard on myself and just trust, trust this process, you know? And, um, and know that it's okay. It's okay that we're taking this time, you know? Um, Self-forgiveness and being gentle, uh, with ourselves now is really, really important. Easy does it. Easy does it. It's what does it? Easy does. Because <laughs> it's crazy shit. I mean, we're all dealing with it. So do you have a bubble of people that you, I know you see your mom. Do you have other people that you see that, do you have interaction? I do. I have, I have um, um, 
I have my buddy that I go, uh, that lives in Hermosa as well too. And, and uh, some South Bay friends that we go surfing, we'll hit the surf quite a bit. And I will go to his house sometime, one of my buddies, and we'll make some gluten-free pancakes. Um, hope I'm not I sounding too hippie, not too hippie to you. Um, no, I, I eat the gluten-free too. <laughs> and, um, and they taste so good. Like, why do I need the gluten? Like, you know, um, have you ever, by the way, Ryan, have you ever seen the Tom Waits um, interview with David Letterman, <laughs> David Letterman, uh, you should just, just Tom Waits free the glutens. It's, it's okay, actually, hilarious. My husband uh, was Letterman's head monologue writer for years. Oh, really? Oh, that's right. Yeah. I heard you say that. Yeah. That's right. But, uh, no, I have not seen the Tom Waits gluten. Uh, it was, it's, it's right at the end. It's because Tom Waits has been on the show numerous times. So it's, it's right. at the end of his show and he's actually handcuffed to no David Letterman is handcuffed to George Clooney. So, <laughs> so that's, that's the interview you want to see. And okay. Tom Waits is hilarious. And then he goes on to play this freaking amazing song. Oh, nice. And he's like, this is for you, Dave. <laughs> nice. Take well, one last look. Take one last look. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. Oh, um, that. Um, so, yeah. So, so I think this is a time of, what's the word? I, I was going to say hibernation. Hibernation is not the word. No, it's incubate. I think it's a time of incubation. And I think the art that's going to come out of this is going to be extraordinary. Extraordinary. I watched a show last night. Um, I watched This Is Us and it was the, the season premiere because I wanted to see what they were going to do. And they, they dealt all with the pandemic. The whole thing in... Uh, from within that, it was very interesting. Um, mm -hmm. It was very interesting. But so, all right. So before we go, um, I would love for you to sing something else for us. I have no idea. You said that you had something in mind. I don't know what that is, but yeah. but I would love some more music. And and Randy, thank you so much for being so patient with the technology disasters that we had last time and being willing to come back and try again. And I'm so glad that it worked this time. Um, well, it was so you, thank you, Vicki, you know, and everything, you know, is all in alignment. And what's interesting is that that was during, that was pre Mercury retrograde. And here we are defying the, Mercury retrograde. It was the first day of, for, of Mercury retrograde, which I believe, and I really do believe that it was yours and- Was my, it really? I thought it wasn't. I thought no. Mercury retrograde just started like last week. No, no, no oh, that okay. first day of Mercury retrograde. I stand corrected then, okay. No, maybe we were in the, um, what is it called? In the shadow of the Mercury retrograde, but it's gonna end, it's actually gonna end on election day. It's, wow. it's fucking crazy is what it's wow. gonna be. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we had some weird electro electrical charges going <laughs> going on with the stars uh, last yeah. time. This is bizarre. But, yeah. um, but anyway, I, I've become, I, I did not know you. I am so grateful that I happened upon your Facebook Live. How, how often do you do those? Do you, do you throw videos up every once in a while? Well, recently I've been throwing up a lot on my Instagram. Um, so yeah, if I can just give a shout out. Oh, here's me marketing, networking. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. it's Randy Coleman Music uh, at Instagram and Randy Coleman Music Facebook, Randy Music, Randy Coleman Music dot com. So please uh, follow me on Instagram. I've been posting a lot of like some some songs of different different um, different colors. 
um, you know, of, of uh, an array of different types of songs that I love. So, um, yeah, please and 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 stay posted. And yes, and my my vision is to continue to 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 share my gift and to be touring and playing in front of thousands of people and sharing my songs on oh uh, licensing my songs which I did I get a got a song on um, uh, Dragonfly Lane starring Catherine Hegel Catherine Hegel oh. so I don't know when that's coming out they haven't told they they've been very vague with me on, in terms of when you know when it's going to be released but um, but yeah so let I I just Vicky you're awesome thank you so much you. and I and I pray for our country to stay kind and respectful to each other no matter which, you know, with whatever happens um, post November 3rd. You're here, amen. And I have a little gift for you. Um, hold on, let me do something. It's getting so dark in my So I have this gift. First of all, I'm gonna do two songs. Nice. Yeah, two simple songs, okay, two songs. No, no, no rush, we have no time constraints. Do your thing. Okay, I'm, okay, I hope I'm gonna blow you away with this, hold on. <laughs> All right, so I'm not gonna, I was just gonna take my picture out, but I'll wait till you blow me away first. I was, th I was thinking, I was thinking like, is she gonna ask me to sing Bohemian Rhapsody now? I sang it last time, but I was like, what, how can I up Bohemian Rhapsody? And I think I may have, I'm not, we'll see. But here's the first one, here's the first one. And I want everybody, everybody who's watching to sing with me. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Vicky. Happy birthday to Thank you. That was my first of the year, maybe my best ever. Thank you. Happy birthday, sweetheart. And again, thank you so much. I'm going to write it out with this song. Um, let's put the glasses on. Um, I'm going to write it out with this song. This song is written and sung by Mike Nesmith. Uh, hey, Mike Nesmith. You know that he produced my thing. I don't know. I don't know any. All I know is I know you. You there's a picture of you with him, and I know you love him. That's all I know. Okay. And here's the thing. I freaking love Mike Nesmith, <laughs> and I, I don't. I think he's like his. His songwriting and and voice is just magic to me. So I'm gonna do a Mike Nesmith song for you for your birthday. Yeah. All right. Here it goes. No heartaches felt no longer lonely nights of waiting finally won me happiness that's rolled up in you. And now with you as inspiration, I look toward a destination sunny bright that once before was blue. I have no more than I did before, but now I've got all that I need. For I love you and I know you love me. So take my hand, I'll start my journey free from all the helpless worry that besets a man when he's alone. 
For strength is mine when we're together, and with you I know I'll never have to pass the high road for the low. I have no more than I did before, but now I've got all that I need. For I love you and I know you love me. One more for you, Vicky. For I love you and I know you love me. Thank you so much, Randy. It's so, one of my favorite Nez songs. Thank you so much. Well, stay tuned. I'm going to do Joanne next. Oh, God. I'm going to, get, I'm going to put that on my Instagram. Oh, I'll, dedicate it to, I'll dedicate it to you. How about that? That is excellent. Thank you so much, Randy. You've been an absolute treat. I adore you. I'm a big fan. And I look forward to uh, keeping up with everything you're doing. And long live Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. <laughs> Vicki, thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care.